So, you're... really him, aren't you? You want more proof? I haven't done the Pillar of Salt thing in a while. That's all right, I believe you. I just, I don't understand why you chose me. You want to change the world, son. Huh? So do I. What? Why an ark? I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Let's just say that whatever I do, I do because I love you. Well, then you have to understand that this whole building and ark thing is really not part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. <laughs> what? Your plans. That's <laughs> What are you talking? I'm, we're talking about an ark, right? I mean, an ark? An ark is huge. I don't even know where I would begin. Well, I hear that a lot. People want to change the world, don't know how to begin. You want to know how to change the world, son? One act of random kindness at a time. the ark. I'll tell you what. You build it, I'll fill it. And if anybody asks, tell them the flood's coming. Oh, and uh, you might need this. Well, good morning. Today we're going to talk about ark building for dummies. We are excited that you're here. We're in the middle of a series of messages called Unsinkable. And I want us to delve into the word today in such a way that I believe God will plant a seed deep in your heart. Why me, God? He said, because you said you wanted to change the world. You said you wanted to change the world. But I don't know how. He said, I've heard that a lot. I've heard that a lot. I believe today we can begin to, to embrace some things that will teach us how, how the world literally is changed and impacted. One random act of kindness, one act of faith, one act of obedience at a time. Sometimes we believe everything happens in a day, but it is important what happens in a day. What happens in a day builds up and it becomes a major impactful time. Would you stand with me? I just want to read from Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7. I'm going to read from the message translation, but you can follow along with me. The book of Hebrews is a reminder to people that have a covenant with God that God has a better covenant. There's something better than the old religious system of the Old Testament. He keeps telling them you have better promises better covenant, a better relationship than all these guys had in the Old Testament. But then he tells us how all these people that we look at as heroes, how it is that they literally impacted their world. And then he looks at you and I and says, you have a better covenant. If they did it on the limited resource and information they had, what can we do when we have a better covenant? Hmm? obtained a testimony. In other words,
church, they had something that gave evidence to the fact that God worked in their behalf. How many of you know you can't have a testimony if you hadn't had a test? So if you hadn't been through a testing time, it's hard to have a testimony. It's hard to have a testimony when everything's gone exactly your way. How many of you know you never know how to make it out of a mess till you've been in one? And you know you can survive. And I believe we're in a time right now where people all over in this auditorium and all of the wonderful folks that are joining us at home online today, we just want you to know that God wants you to obtain a testimony in the midst of 2020. I don't want you to look back in your journal and say, I wrote 220 off. I want you to look back in your journal and say, in 2020, I developed a testimony that God was great in my life. Hallelujah. And then verse number three says this, by faith we understand that the worlds were made by the things that don't appear or things that were invisible. The word worlds there is not cosmos. It's not, it's not planets and orbits and all the things that happen in the world that way. The word worlds there is the word eons. It's talking about lifetimes, specific spans of time. He says, so every life or every lifetime has been framed. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been framed. I was on a phone call the other night with, with a, a friend that's been a friend for a long time. His name's Ron Carpenter. And we were in the midst of a conversation talking about what was going on in the earth right now and our own particular assignments. And a statement was made that just grabbed my heart and I wanted to use it as the launching pad for today. And, and he said, Bishop, I just made up my mind that what's going on in the world today did not frame my world. It's the context in which my world has been framed, but my world is framed by a word from God. I'm not framed by the news broadcast. I'm not framed by the latest report from the CDC or the health organization. My world is framed by a word from God. How many of you believe you have a word over your life? Amen. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse number, chapter 11, verse number 7 says this, and this will be on the screen behind me, because I'm going to read it in a little different translation. It says, by faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see, and acted on what he was told. The result? His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteousness of the believing world. And as a result, Noah became intimate with God. My assignment today is I want to, I want to take a few minutes to talk about this. By faith, Noah built. Say that with me. By faith, Noah built. Father, bless your word today. Bless your people as they receive it. Our hearts are open to receive. Thank you for the ability to communicate today. Put me on like a coat and wear me in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Last Sunday, we dealt with this, the topic in the book of Genesis that says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace. And we talked about the fact that all of us have to look for grace in every circumstance of our life. We look for the place where the empowerment of the Lord comes to us and enables us to stand up. 
Today, as I begin to talk about faith, sometimes people believe that grace and faith are at war with each other. But how many of you know that grace and faith really are partners? They're the two legs that we walk on. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 says this, if you are, by grace you're saved. How many of you are glad for that? Through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Now notice what Paul said. He said, everything that comes into your life comes to you by grace. But it's appropriated by faith. In other words, grace makes it available. Faith makes it a reality. It's like having somebody put a layaway for you down at Costco, but you have to go pick it up. I mean, you know, Jesus made the layaway. He purchased it with his blood. That's grace. Grace makes it all available, but you and I have to go pick up the layaway. Faith has to open the door. When grace knocks, faith has to open. How many of you know grace is operating towards you today in a supernatural way? I'm telling you, I've been praying over people in this church. Families are receiving amazing grace. Business people are receiving amazing grace. We're not going under because his grace is going to sustain us. But we appropriate that grace by faith. Somebody shout faith. Now, how many of you know faith is more than just a belief system? You say, really? What do you mean by that? Faith is a belief system is only part of it. In fact, the Bible teaches us that devils believe. Do you know, in fact, the, the, the demons of hell have more confidence in what Jesus can do oftentimes than many Christians do. Because they have seen the outcome of what his power is. And so the book, of, the book of James declares to us that even demons believe and they tremble because of their belief system. But they have no ability to act in faith and, be, and receive redemption. So therefore what happens? You and I, we can believe, but the Bible declares that when we believe, our belief has to drive us to a corresponding action that puts what we believe out in a visible way. That means faith is not a feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, because faith is really not about us. It's about what God does in us and through us. Here's the other thing. How many of you know it takes faith to please God? Some of you are here today by faith. Some of you are watching by faith. There are some people that this week you gave just a while ago by faith. You didn't have a feeling that it was going to work. You, you didn't really know how you're going to make it do, but you by faith did some things. And here's what the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I have great news for you today. Here's what faith is. Faith is a deep-seated confidence in God and in his word that moves us to action. And my prayer that in this series called unsinkable. My prayer is that we become so convinced, so persuaded, so undeniably on fire on the inside that God, that what God said is going to come to pass, that we literally are willing to go all in. Somebody shout all in. Let me find out how many people really are saved. If you've ever been to Vegas, you know what it means to go all in. How I many of you know when you push all your chips to the middle of the table, you're declaring, I'm all in. When you watch game seven of the NBA playoffs, it's either win or go home. 
I believe I feel a Holy Ghost today. I believe God's talking to people in this room that God's saying, it's time for you to stop negotiating with me. It's time for you quit redefining what it is I told you. And it's time for you to push everything to the center of the table and say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. If you said I can build a business, I can build a business. If you said you'd save our marriage, our marriage will be saved. If you said my children can be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace, I take you at your word. I'm going all in. I'm going to quit having anxiety attacks. I'm going to quit worrying. I'm going to trust the name of the Lord. Have I got any believers in the room today? Somebody shout all in. I believe it's time to go all in with our spiritual life. It's time to go all in with our emotional life. It's time to go all in with our mental facilities. It's time to go all in financially because we refuse to hold back in the day of opportunity. Let me quickly tell you three things. First of all, write these down in your notes. I pray you take notes. Faith is revealed. It's revealed in our willingness to act. Faith is revealed in our willingness to act. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Faith does not mean God does your work for you. Somebody said, well, I prayed. I've just sort of been sitting here waiting on God. How many of you recognize that God's probably waiting on you? Because there has to be something you added to your prayers. Faith is an action word. It demands corresponding, uh, corresponding action. It requires you, listen, faith requires you to be present in the moment. It, in, it requires you to be involved. It requires you to put sweat equity into what you're believing for because you are so convinced he'll do it that if you put your hand to it, he'll begin to make things happen that you didn't believe were possible. I was sharing with Jay just before the service that, that one of the things I feel such a strong responsibility is how do you speak into the world that we are, are living in the midst of? Because one of the things I believe is that, is that God is not taking any political stance. God's above it all. Huh? But I, I thank God for what he's done in our nation. I believe it's time for a national revival. You know what I'd like to see happen? I'd like to see happen by November that the church was literally ablaze with the glory of God. And if the people of God once again caught fire and began to be the people of God everywhere they went, something would happen in our nation that the Democrats nor the Republicans could take care of. Have I got any believers in the room anywhere? Hallelujah. But here's what happens. Watch this. The Bible says, don't miss these words, because the Bible says that by faith Noah, one translation says being one warned of things not yet seen. Being warned. Somebody say being warned. He was moved with fear and built an ark. It's the only time in the Bible, watch this, it's the only time in the Bible that the words faith and fear are in the same sentence and used in a positive way. God says his fear was positive and his faith was positive. We got to understand that because his fear was not the fear of intimidation or the fear of something bad. The word fear there literally means he respected and reverenced what God had said. He was warned by God and he reverenced God's word to him. In other words, he took it seriously. 
Let me ask you a question today. Are, are you just here this morning or do you really take seriously what it is God says to you? Because Noah was not contending just for his own life at the moment. He was contending for the future. He was contending for his family. He was contending for the history of mankind. He was contending for something beyond himself. And oftentimes God will give us a word that will prepare us not for just that day, but for several weeks and months ahead of us. But if we don't take serious what he says to us and we treat it casually, we miss the opportunity to build something that will preserve the future. I'm talking to somebody here because God has been talking to people. This week when I was praying, the Holy Spirit said to me, I've been talking to people at the gate church and they think I'm just talking to them about things, but I'm warning them of things to come. I'm telling them how to prepare their life so that when the real storm comes, they will be unsinkable. When the real storm hits their house, they're not going to go under because they reverence the voice of the Lord. God sent me to this stage today to challenge men and women and say to you, stop wasting your energy on things you can't fix. Quit trying to rearrange past things. Quit trying to rearrange things that are not in your sphere of influence. But begin to walk towards what is in front of you. You can't fix what's behind you. What is, is. What has been, has been. What it'll do, it'll do. But you can get up and square your shoulders and say, I have a word from God and my future is filled with a promise and I'll build what God told me to build by faith. Hallelujah. God warned him, but God didn't build the ark. Noah could have drowned with everybody else. It took his faith to build. In our culture, we've become so weighted down that we sometimes don't have time to build. We don't have the zeal to build. Good Bishop, keep preaching. But I come to say today, we're building something that's unsinkable. But your faith is revealed in how you act. It's revealed in the actions you take. I can remember when, when God began to speak to us about building even buildings. We'd think, God, this is not a great financial time to do that. We launched a church at the Gate Church in the middle of a pandemic when we weren't even having services. All my pastor friends said, are you sure? Have you lost your mind? I said, well, all I know is that in 2019, God told us to do it in 2020, and he didn't put an asterisk on it. He didn't say as long as everything goes perfectly. He just said, this is the word of the Lord. How many of you know when you get a word from the Lord, you put your hand to what God told you to do? report today that I gave Josh a check the, uh, last week that allowed us to pay everything we were going to pay over six months. We went on and paid him completely so that the way church has it. Somebody ought to give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. You say, what does that mean? Here's what that means. We asked for money for expansion. We said we're expanding because it was more than just the way church. We had other things we're doing. We're getting ready to go into other areas. We're getting ready to upgrade.
upgrade our, our whole television cameras because I've been invited to be on Channel 4. NBC has opened the door to us to have a weekly program. I can do it at 11.30 on Saturday night following all the talk shows. They can have my smiling face getting there telling them, you don't have to sink in the middle of your storm. You don't have to go under. But I, we need the rest of our expansion. Is anybody helping me today? I believe God is reaching right into every part of Oklahoma City and our surrounding region, and he's calling people to Jesus. That's why we will finish what we began. God said build, and we're going to build. Hallelujah. I got a call this week from we, we our, our worship team. I know Pastor David told you our worship team wasn't out today because... Uh, some of them were here on, for rehearsals on Tuesday night and a couple of them tested positive. We just asked all of them to stay home today to be safe. And a couple other departments in our church, same way. We want to make sure everybody's safe. But here's what I knew. We, not, we don't stop. Ashley and I was talking last night at 11 o'clock last night. And I said, Ashley, we just do whatever we got to do. We have a word from God that the glory of the Lord is about to cover Oklahoma City. I don't know how it's going to happen. I thank God for Pastor Joy and Pastor Jill. Aren't you glad they're part of our church family? We're so blessed to have them as a continual part of our church family. And so what happens? We worship anyway. If I got to sit up here and play myself, we will worship anyway. Come on, somebody. You got to cut my keys on. I can't play if I can't have my keys. Anyway, don't want to just play. Never mind. That wouldn't have lasted long. <laughs> Come on, we can do it. I walked in here by myself and said, I'm going to worship all by myself. I still ain't got no music. I can't hear myself. Nobody I'd rather hear sing than me. Somebody cut my monitor on. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. Come on, somebody. Huh? My, my, my mother played for 50 years as a church pianist. She tried to teach me how to play. Oh, Lord. How many of you know you can't teach some things to some people that don't have it? I don't care how good a teacher you are. But here's what I know. See, you can do this at your house. I love you, Lord. I can sit down and I've, I've walked in this auditorium. I sit down at this keyboard multiple times and worship myself into the presence of God. You say, how do you do that? You do that because you have faith to build. You say, I don't have to be the greatest pianist in the world. I don't, even, I don't even have to have a keyboard. Sometimes I just walk through my living room going, I'll bless the Lord, oh my soul. So here's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalms chapter 1, he said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor, stands in the, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it does he meditate day and night. When he does, he'll be like a tree. Somebody say he'll be like a tree. See, I'm telling you in 2020, God's making you with deep roots and a lot of flexibility. 
He didn't make you a Bradford pear. You're not going to break off at the little winds that come along. He made you like a palm tree. In fact, that's what Psalms 92 said. He said, when the anointing comes on your life, you'll be like a palm tree. I lived in Florida for 25 years. I watched those palms bend over 150 mile an hour winds in hurricanes. They would just bend over and they would not break. I'm telling you, somebody in the room today, you need to understand something. God says you might bend, but you won't break because I'm making you unsinkable. Hallelujah. He said he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. His leaf will not wither. How many of you glad you don't have to dry up just because the season dries up? His leaf will not wither. He'll bear fruit in its season. Watch it. Here's the key. Uh, oh, I got there. And whatever one does will prosper. God can't prosper something you don't do. It doesn't matter how great your dream is. If you're not doing something with it, you can't keep crying over things that aren't working out. Why won't the Lord do something? It may be because God's wanting you to build an ark. Because he can't bless what you won't build. He can't bless a ministry you won't study for. He can't bless a business you don't learn something about product and marketing and branding. How to handle inventory. I am really preaching good right now. Because your faith is revealed by the actions you take. Noah built an ark by faith. How many of you know, second of all, faith trusts the instructions. Make sure you get this. Listen, it was not enough for Noah. I didn't go into reading it all, but it's not enough for Noah to get the word by faith, build me an ark. God then gave him the instructions. What kind of wood to build it out of, how big to build it, how to pitch it inside and out. God gave him detailed instructions. It's never enough to have a vision if you don't wait long enough to get the instructions. And sometimes the instructions don't make sense. He had never seen a boat. He had never seen rain, had no concept of a flood. But when you follow the instructions, whatever you build will survive whatever it was sent for. Sometimes God may say to a family, I want you to make sure you have family devotions. Make sure you and your husband or you and your wife pray together every night before you go to bed. That may be the simple instructions you get. And you don't know why until six months from now, a year from now. But the intimacy, the strength, the faith, the peace that comes in the middle of that keeps you in the middle of a storm. Am I helping anybody? Real faith has to be willing to look like a fool for a season. He built something that was not yet needed. Oh, I wish I had three hours. How many? I, I know you're glad I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't know, but listen. Habakkuk says it this way. He says, I'll stand on my rampart. In other words, I'm going to position myself so I can hear what God's saying. And when God speaks to me, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write it down. 
I'm going to write it down. The reason I'm going to write it down is so that those that read it can run with it. Here's why. For though it tarries, it's unto an appointed time. Don't miss what I'm about to say. There's a time in your life that you will be ahead of what it is you're believing for. And you start acting like it's already here. And your friends begin to say to you, why do you do that? You don't even need it. I talk to our staff and our team about how to prepare for thousands of people in a harvest. They said, but that's, we, we're seeing some people say, but we're not seeing thousands at a time. I said, no, but they're coming. Because you start living in the world that you believe rather than the one you're existing in. And here's what happens. While you're living in a world that's not yet, you have to always be explaining yourself. Because people say, well, I don't understand why you're doing that. You, you say, well, you just don't see what I see. But when you see what I see, you'll know why I did what I did. You don't know why I'm hammering and sawing an ark right now. But when the rain starts, you're going to understand it. But you got to be willing to look like a fool for a season because here's why. I'm talking to somebody in the building. There is a time when you have to speak for your vision. But there'll come a day when your vision will speak for you. Hallelujah. There'll come a day when you won't have to explain it to anybody because they'll be seeing the manifestation of it. They'll say, oh, that's what he was talking about. That's what she was talking about. That's what they were believing for. But in the early stages, you have to be willing to speak for your dream. Hmm? How many of you know today, we got, well, we got all these booths out here over the rest of the month. Your dream might be to be the CEO of a local company, but your instructions for the moment might be, would you work a media camera? You say, what has me working a media camera got to do with me being a CEO? It's got to do with you following simple instructions. Maybe it's working in kids. Maybe, maybe right now your job sucks. You hate who you work for and you want to go work for somebody else. But the instruction is stay where you are. Stay the course. And you say, why should I stay the course? And not only should you stay the course, but you should stay it with joy. Why? Because what you don't realize is that God is using this moment to build character. He's building a resume and he's making room for your future. If you checked out now, you wouldn't get the job he has for you right down the road. You have to be willing to trust the instructions. How many of you know when the instructions come, number three, you got to be willing, faith always trusts the timing. Faith trusts the timing. The Bible says it's through faith and patience. Somebody shout patience. Whew. How many of you said, Lord, I'm praying for patience and I need them now? Sometimes we invest in something where there's no apparent evidence. Let me tell you what Noah did. Noah was 500 years old when he got the instructions to build the ark. Some of you are 70 and think you're finished. I heard one faint amen way back in the corner somewhere. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I've served my time. No, listen, he's 50. 
I mean 500. And he gets the word of the Lord, build an ark. And it does not rain until he's 620 years old. Wow. If you went to Brother Noah's church, do you know what Noah would be preaching Sunday? It's going to rain. You know what he's going to preach next Sunday? Going to rain. If you come back next year, you know what Brother Noah's going to be preaching? Going to rain. If you went away for a decade and came back, Brother Noah's still going to be preaching. It's going to rain. He did that for a hundred years. Think about that. The Hebrew rabbis out of Hebrew tradition, which you know, the Bible was first passed down verbally and then written. The Bible was first spoken, then it was written. And it was written so we can keep speaking it. Try that over here. The Bible was first spoken and then it became written. And it was written so we could keep speaking it. But Hebrew rabbis out of, out of Hebrew culture and tradition say this about the Noah story. This is fabulous. They said that Noah was 500 when he got the word of the Lord to build an ark. And at 500, he planted trees. He planted the trees necessary to grow up, to create the wood he was going to need to build the ark he was going to build. I wonder how many of us, including this preacher in this room, has enough long-term vision that I'm willing to plant an acorn today because I know in 50 years I'm going to need to build a house and I'm going to need that tree to build that house with. We live in such immediacy, on-demand God. That's what I was talking about last week. We live in such right-nowness that sometimes we don't have a long enough vision to believe that what I'm sowing today is not really about today. It's about things I'm going to be building a decade from now. See, when, when, I, when I did things with my kids when they were 10 years old, it didn't show up when they were 10. It didn't even show up when they was 12. For many of them, it didn't show up when they were 17. But today, when they're 40 and 35, how many of you know at that time, all of a sudden, you begin to see everything you were telling them. It really was a seed that was going deep inside of them. And now they live lives that can survive the storm. Somebody ought to help me. Parents, don't you get frustrated because you say something one day and your teenager don't do it the next day. What the seed has to do is go deep inside of them because God is building something and you don't build something overnight. It takes time to build an ark. That's why daddies, mamas, husband, wives, I'm talking to you. You need to build an ark for your family. We're going to talk about that next week. You need to build a place, a refuge, and it's going to take effort and it's going to take time, but you have to do it by faith. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. How many of you know, watch this, how many of you know your breakthrough normally happens in a moment? It's just your preparation for the breakthrough. 
Jericho's walls came down with a shout. Boom. No, everybody talks about the shout. We want to lift the shout. The walls are going to fall. I want to say, I want to know where the walkers are. I want to know where the walkers are because if they had not walked one time for seven days and seven times on the seventh day, their shout would have been of no value. Can I say something in here today and you keep loving me? I believe there are people that shout over a whole lot of stuff. They don't never walk. And your shout makes you happy for a moment, but it never moves anything in your life because really the instruction was not first to shout. The instruction was first to walk. And if you can't walk, you never get to shout and see walls fall down. By faith, Noah built an ark. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, we need long-term vision. I said, we need long-term vision. You need to see beyond the moment. This pandemic will end. If you build your whole life around what happens in 2020, you're going to find yourself having a big gap in what it is God wanted to do in your life. This pandemic will end. This social unrest will come to a conclusion. But my, my question to you today is, what are you building in the process so that when you come out the other side, you have something to live in? Because what you build today, you'll live in in the future. And I say it's time to build a place for big dreams, big promises, big breakthroughs. Let's let God show up big in our lives. Is there anybody in agreement with me today? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Here's what he said. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, here it is, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Notice two things both of these people shared in common. Both of them had God give them instructions. And both of them experienced storms. Can I say something to you? You cannot storm-proof your life. Say, well, I want to live a storm-proof life. I just, want to, I just want to live where we can party every weekend. Everything will be happy and wonderful. You can't have a storm-proof life. It doesn't exist. The Bible says in this world, you'll have tribulation. Storms are coming. They come to everybody. They come to good people. They come to bad people. Here's what he said. He said, everybody in this, in this parable that Jesus uses, everybody had two things in common. They all got instructions. They all heard the word. They all experienced storms. What's the difference? One did the word and one just didn't take it serious. Come on, Joey. 
I asked the Holy Spirit this week, I said, Holy Spirit, would you work in us to the point that we really do take the word of the Lord seriously? Let us not treat it as some religious activity we do, but really take it seriously. Because the difference in those who do and those who don't is those who do are unsinkable. What they build stands. Those who don't, to quote Jesus, and great was their fall. Today, by faith, I choose to trust God. I choose to plan, to prepare, to build. By faith today, I choose his power over my power. Today, I choose to believe that his word is more sure than last night's news report. that what he said to me is more powerful than what anybody can report in a newspaper, teach me in a college class. Somebody said, well, you don't want to know the facts. No, listen, listen, listen. There's a difference between facts and truth. It is factual that Bartimaeus was blind. But the truth is, Jesus with one word took away his blindness. So Jesus was not moved by the facts because his power is greater than the facts. Hmm? The facts may tell you, well, you have an incurable disease. The truth is, He's the life giver. I talked to a precious lady that's been a part of our church for the last year or so this week. And they told her that she has limited days. I mean, limited days. And I spoke to her because I wanted to encourage her. And I was on the phone with her. And before I got done, she's praying for me. She's praying for me. And she said, Bishop, I'm not afraid. She said, I've lived my whole life to see Jesus. I'm not afraid. She said, but what I do know is that whether I have faith to live or faith to die, I'm going to do it all in faith. Next thing I know, she starts interceding for me. I'm like, Jesus, that's what I'm talking about. By faith, Noah built. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Enoch walked. By faith, Moses refused. Sometimes you just have to, by faith, 
Sometimes you got to look at yourself and say, you know what, I don't feel like it. But by faith. Sometimes you got to forgive people that did you wrong by faith. Sometimes you got to get up and go anyway by faith. By faith. Sometimes you got to run at your giant and believe that your slingshot is enough. If that's all you got, then put your slingshot to work and say, by faith, this giant's going to fall. A deep-seated confidence that what God said to me, he's able to bring to pass. See, by faith today, when I didn't have any ability to deliver myself, the blood did its work. We're getting ready to receive communion here in just a moment. How many of you recognize today that when I came to the altar, people were laughing at me today when I wore my Miami Dolphins face mask in here. I said, I brought the dolphins to the altar. <laughs> they need it. But how many of you know when I walked to the altar, a mess? My life was not one that I had internal issues I was facing, secret things that I was living. When I walked to an altar, I didn't put faith in my self-help program that I somehow could continually improve and get better. What I did is I put my faith in the blood of Jesus. I can't deliver myself, but I believe in the power put my faith in the cross. Hallelujah. When you can't break depression off your house, you got to put your faith in the cross of Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock. If you need communion emblems, our host teams are in the aisles. We're going to worship for just a moment. If you'll lift your hand quickly, they'll be able to provide you. Just make sure that as they come down the aisles, you get their attention. Let's go, Pastor Joy. There's power in the
Just say with me by faith. You know, in um, this morning we were sharing before service. Tomorrow night Dale's going to be on with me for our Monday night at the gate. And I was just sharing stories. One of the reasons that it's always been encouraging to me, and I would encourage everybody in this room. One of the reasons you need to connect to people that's walked with Jesus for a while is because they can tell you how by faith. Very good. When the odds were against them, by faith, by faith. Because sometimes you can get right in the midst of the worst storm you've ever been in your life and you think, I don't even know if this boat that I built, I don't know if it's going to survive or not. You know, the only time in history that anybody ever christened a new ship and set it in the water and made this statement, we've just built the first unsinkable ship in the world. It was built by the finest engineers, the most creative minds, and the best shipyard in Europe. And the Titanic didn't even make it all the way across the Atlantic. Built by the best. The ark was built by an amateur. Never been to engineering school. Never even seen a boat. And it survived the greatest flood the world's ever seen. Why? Because the man that was an amateur had a word from God. And he kept saying, by faith, by faith, I'm driving these nails or pegs, whatever he drove, I'm driving them by faith. I'm building according to the instructions, by faith. I know it doesn't make sense to my neighbors that I tell my children they got to come in and can't play for this hour because when we eat dinner, we pray. I know my neighbors don't understand that, but by faith, by faith. Because I'm not building just for the present, I'm building for the future. So today as we come to the cross, it has a work in the present it goes and cleans up everything from the past. But watch this, the most powerful thing about the cross is it reaches into your future and says it doesn't matter what comes against you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So today, as I come to the table of the Lord, I come by faith. I come saying, Jesus, I don't know what I'm gonna face, but I know who you are. I'm not a professional, I'm an amateur, but I am by faith. I am by faith, believing the report of the Lord. Paul said when he got a revelation of what happened that night, he said, Jesus took bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body 
that's going to be broken for you. You say, why is that necessary? Because Isaiah had prophesied that the Messiah would be smitten. He would be bruised. He would have stripes laid on him, whipped. He was bruised for my iniquities. Iniquities are those places we're twisted. Those things that we have a propensity towards. You realize that everybody in the room doesn't have the same sin that keeps tripping them up. But everybody in the room has got that one or two things that the enemy always uses. There's some people in the room, you've never been tempted to have an affair on your spouse. But every time you get under pressure, some other abuse of substance keeps calling your name. That's those twists, that's, those propens that's, that's that twist that we have. Maybe I've never been, ever been drawn to have an addiction to drugs, but every time I get under pressure, I got a temper I can never control. It just goes off like that. It's because I'm bent that way. Jesus said, I was bruised. In other words, I shed blood that never broke the skin, but I shed blood for you so that you didn't have to be twisted. By faith today, you need to say, that's over in my life. My daddy might have been that, my mama might have been that, but I ain't gonna be that, I broke that. By faith, I break that, because I come to the table of the Lord. His body was broken for me. Father, thank you today for Jesus having his body broken on our behalf. And today we receive the broken body of the Lord in Jesus' name. Let's receive together. One of the great things about the cross is that Jesus shed his blood so that everything that would divide us from God and everything that would divide us from other people was taken care of. He said, I've become your peace who has broken down every wall. Those of you that are home right now, I want you to know something. He's your peace. He's your peace. Here's what Jesus said. He said, this cup is the cup of my new covenant. And when you drink it, you do it in remembrance of the fact that I've already taken care of everything that will ever keep you separated from God and everything that will ever keep you separated from other people. I've paid that price. My blood has done its work and it's sufficient. You say, well, I, I feel like I'm paying penance for what I did. No, 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 listen. If you feel like you're paying penance for something you did and you're, you're withdrawing and, and holding yourself back because you think that's some religious act that God requires of you, that's not true. By faith, the blood did it all. The blood did it all. We had a, we had a president a few terms ago that, that did some atrocities in, when he was in office. And people that were Christian people said, well, he says he, re he was sorry and repented, but he don't act sorry. What does that mean? How, how, if I repent and Jesus forgives me, what do I have to act like? Do I have to walk with my head down and act? If I do, I betray the blood. I 
I've then got faith in my own religious piety. My faith is not in how pitiful I can look. My faith is in the blood that shed on an old rugged cross. I believe the blood today. Shame has to go. I believe the blood today. So Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. It'll never lose its power. Thank you for the blood today. We receive in Jesus' name. Let's protect together. It reaches to the highest mountain. online, those of you that are in the auditorium, I want to pray a simple prayer today. If you don't know Jesus personally, you say, how do, how do, I, how do I give my life to Christ? Well, Paul said it, it's by grace. In other words, Jesus paid for everything that needed to be paid for. And then it's by faith. You have to believe that what he did is enough for your life to be changed. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe with our heart, we confess with our mouth unto salvation. I'm just going to ask all over the room, those of you that are online, if you don't know Jesus personally, I'd love to pray with you today. Lead you in a very simple prayer on how to receive Christ into your life. Without Jesus, you're a walking dead man or dead woman. With Christ, you have abundant life. Life doesn't automatically get better. But what it does is you have an internal strength to help you do things you didn't know you could do. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you and you say, Bishop, I want you to include me in this prayer. I want to be, I want to be included in this prayer. I want Jesus in my heart, my life. If you're online, you can let the people that are hosting you online know. I'm going to get to three. Just lift your hand high. I want to pray quickly. One, two, three, all over the room. Pray for me today, Bishop. I need Jesus in my life. Anybody anywhere, hold your hand up high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else, hold your hand up high. I just want to pray and include you in my prayer. 
Church, would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Thank God for these wonderful people today that's making a choice to give their life to Jesus. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for being alive today. Thank you for being alive. And I'm asking you now. I'm asking you. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Live in my life. Live in my life. I receive you. I receive you. And by faith. And by faith. I believe that the cross. I believe that. And the blood that you shed. And the blood that you shed. Is enough for me. Is enough for me. I receive your forgiveness. Receive your forgiveness. Today, Today, I'm a new creation. In your name. In your name. Let me pray. Father, thank you for people today all over the room that lifted their hands. And I'm asking you now in Jesus' name that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll begin a work in their life. By faith, they'll begin to walk with you and live out the promise of God over their life. In Jesus' name. Everybody give the Lord a great praise offering. Would you thank God today?